Hey, all you rad dads out there. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rad Dads Show. On this episode, Christian sits down with Mike Gribben from Toronto band Bad Breed to talk about fatherhood. Mike delivers a hopeful message, despite significant tragedy in his life. He discusses his wife's suicide and the tremendous impact it had on his and his daughter's life. And then, the journey to overcome that tragedy to find love again, which is documented in his band Bad Breed's latest album, Ferocious Love. We really appreciate Mike's willingness to share his story with us, because mental illness is something so many of us struggle with, either personally or in the lives of our family and friends. Here's Mike Gribben on The Rad Dad Show. Uh, welcome to the Rad Dad Show. Who are you? Thank you so much. <laughs> My name is Mike Gribben. Um, I am a uh, one of the vocalists uh, in a Toronto-based uh, soul and rock and R&B group uh, and funk called Bad Breed. And, and you're a dad. Yeah. And on top of that, I'm a dad. Yes. My daughter, uh, I have one child. Uh, her name is Sita, and she just turned 20 in May. So, yeah, I'm a dad. It's a little less hands-on these days because, you know, she's an adult herself at this point. But, yeah, I'm, I am definitely, yeah, I'm a single dad of, uh, of a uh, 20-year-old young woman. There we go. Do you consider yourself a rad dad? Uh, I've never thought about myself in those terms before. Like, I've just never, <laughs> until I saw the name of your podcast i'd never yeah i don't think i've seen those words shoved together uh i hope at the very least that i'm um a reliable father you know what i mean like that's you know so i i hear what you're saying um all i want to be is to my daughter somebody who is she can count on you know that's to that's for me if that's rad then that's great then then I, then yes i i hope that's what i that's what i'm aiming for but to me it's a process right like uh, and I'm still working on how to try to be better at it. Um, it's, you know, it's what, you know, I've had lots of jobs. I've done lots of different things, say, to make a living. Uh, and again, I'm a musician, et cetera. But being a father, um, you know, once that happened 20 years ago, uh, has always been, for me, the most important thing and the thing that I try uh, you know, as hard as I can at, you know, I try hard in lots of aspects of my life, but yeah, that's, that's the thing that's, that it's number one for me. Yeah. So, and that's different now, right? Like being, being a dad to a five-year-old is a lot different than being a dad to a 20 year old, but being able to get to know this person, you know, who, who again is my daughter, uh, over the last 20 years has been just a huge uh, like just a huge source of joy, you know, and obviously things can be difficult at times and there's, you know, lots of variables, but you know, that's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, one of the, the big joys of my life. Nice. How, how much different is it? You, you kind of mentioned like, you know, obviously aside from, you know, maybe preparing a meals and those sorts mm-hmm. of things, like at the core of it, do you think it's that much different being a, a father to, to, like my son's eight, so being to like a father to right. like an eight-year-old versus a an adult. I do, yeah, I do because what I, I mean, I don't know how conscious it's been. I think about it sometimes now, but the older she's gotten, the less of a sort of, because of course when you're when your child is eight or five or twelve, there's a lot of like kind of day-to-day guidance that probably if you know 
that's necessary, right? Like just even in terms of just keeping them safe, like just making sure whatever's, whatever the important thing is, they're on track to, like you said, have their meals, uh, to learn what they're, you know, to maybe help them with what they're learning in their school, et cetera. But as they got, you know, for me, as my daughter got older, um, it's less about um, being a person who's there to, to sort of, for lack of a better word, be sort of judgmental about decisions that she's making. Do you know what I mean? And say like, well, I wouldn't do that. or I wouldn't, you know, I'm, it is very different at this point. So for me, we don't live together, right? I mean, she's, she actually lives, she's got, she bought her own home, which is like a whole other story, but she lives <laughs> in a home, right? Uh, that she, that, you know, in, in the city and I live on the other side of the city. Um, so we're close, you know, we talk, we text every day and stuff, but I'm, for me, you know, I, I would no longer race to say like, well, you know what I would do in this situation or, you know, like I would to an eight year old. Right. You know, and just, you know, to yeah. where you're, there's a lot of kind of, you know, the, the person is still growing every day. And so, you know, so are we now, but I, I would, I'm, I try to be more there to answer questions rather than provide answers all the time. If that means like, I don't want to just throw out like, well, you know what, I wouldn't do that if I were you, I, <laughs> I'd rather be there to be, you know, if, if, if my opinion is asked, then sure, I'll give it you know, but I, I, yeah, the support is different now, right? Like I consider myself definitely uh, a support for her rather as this sort of parental figure who's casting this big shadow across her life where I don't want her to think that I'm, for lack, again, lack of a better term, being judgmental, right? Like of what she's, what she's doing with her life, with her time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, you know, I, I feel like that can really, you know, you see it. Parents are such a huge influence on kids' lives, right? And, um, you know, you notice with people who are your peers, you can sometimes, you, you're talking to somebody who's, you know, another adult, uh, and you feel like you can hear the echoes of their parents in what they're saying, right? So, of course, we're going to be heavily influenced by our parents, but um, I'd rather, yeah, I would rather just be there as a support when when reached out to. Uh, rather than a sort of um, domineering figure in her life. Is it, was there, that's interesting. Is there like an age that you kind of kind of recognize? Like, was it when she was 18, when she was 19, or is it now? You kind of already talked about, really, it's a process, but it's a, yeah. are you more conscious um, of that now? It's like, yes, um, because there were a couple, of, I am, like, I, there were a couple of years. So we had a very kind of tumultuous time just at home um, when she was sort of in the 15, 16, 17 age. We, you know, we had a home in downtown Toronto. During that kind of couple of years period, there were, um, you know, my daughter switched from, you know, so she was kind of bouncing from school to school. She was having a lot of trouble at school. So she kind of went from the, the regular high school system into the alternative school system in the city of Toronto. And, you know, she was struggling a lot with just, all kinds of different things like her own mental health, her emotional state, um, you know, plus, plus, plus. And then on top of that, you know, we had um, lo all kinds of different kids staying with us for that period of time. Right. So it seemed like for a little while, it felt like we were almost a shelter for lack of a better word. We had like up to 12 kids staying with us at various times, like, you know, kids who she met along her, her journey in life, you know, who, they weren't allowed to live at home anymore, or they were living in a shelter or, you know, whatever it was. So there was this very kind of chaotic 
household that we that we were trying to kind of keep together. Uh, and during that time, um, it was hard because I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to answer your question, but just to give it some context, um, yeah. you know, I still had, you know, because there was just so much going on and so many different personalities and, you know, people I was just getting to know and then they just kind of disappear or new people would appear. Um, you know, like even basic day to day things like we were in a row house, right? Like where we were like either side, you know, um, there's no space between the home on either side. So even stuff like noise complaints or, you know, neighbors calling the police because there were so many kids like, you know, just making so much noise and stuff like that. Um, so that was more do. that was what's that? And that's what kids do. <laughs> and that is what kids do, in particular, if they're all living together. Right. You know, I mean, it, and it was just a it was a wild time for all of us and certainly not something that I expected to be, you know, I, you know, I don't know if anybody pictures that, but that's just <laughs> what made sense. You know, I mean, at that time, you know, when my daughter would come and say such and such is here, her mom kicked her out. She can't go home. I don't know. What, and I'd just be like, okay, cool. So then I can't let, you know, I'm not comfortable letting her live on the street or whatever it was. Right. So there'd be, you know, so sometimes I'd come home, I'd walk into the kitchen and there was a group of kids that I'd never met before cooking, like, you know, cooking my food and stuff. And, uh, you know, and I just walk in and sometimes they were cool and sometimes they were just, they wouldn't even look up, you know? So it was a weird time. Right. So that parenting turned almost into policing at that point. Right. Because there was just so much, there was just so much happening. Right. Uh, and then, you know, once she was about 17, that, you know, we no longer lived in that situation. Those kids weren't there anymore. Um, you know, that was, again, to answer your question, that was the, that was the time where I felt like I was most sort of day to day in her business um, because I was no, now I'm dealing with 13 kids and not one, right? Or five kids or three kids or whatever it was. So there was just a lot of like, you know, I had to go through her, like, could you make sure that such and such doesn't slam the door every time they walk in because the neighbor says that, you know, uh, after that, I, she was about 17 and our relationship changed radically because um, those kids were no longer there. Right. So and now 17 through 20, um, you know, again, we we haven't lived together like in the same home since she was about, I want to say, like, I guess since she was in her, like just after 18, you know, she kind of she moved out and uh, yeah. So things are different, right? When you're not when you're not day to day, like, hey, can you do the dishes? Like, you know, you mentioned you would two days ago, like that kind of thing. Um, you know, you suddenly it's a, it's a, it is a world of difference. Right, right. Oh, I get that. I get that. The uh, the alternative. I've, I I visited Toronto two years. I'm a school teacher, and so oh, um, okay. Really, I, I work at an outreach school, and uh, oh, wow. I, I spent some time well two years ago at the. Uh, I don't know. Are you aware of the Oasis Skateboard Factory? I am. Yeah. 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 So I, 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 my daughter I was a skater. Yeah. Oh, so like, so you, I mean, yeah. It's such a great school. Yeah. And they have some really, yeah. really good alternative schools in Toronto that um, yeah. just I got to visit. It was just awesome. Anyways, that was just an aside. Um, rewarding cool. aspects. No, there definitely are. There definitely are a lot of good alternative schools. And I got to know firsthand because, like I said, Sometimes she was there for a month and sometimes she was there for, you know, a few months. So, yeah, I got I got to know a lot of the teachers in a lot of the different schools. It was, yeah. yeah. So it's, I'm glad that we have that as an option. Yeah, it's so great. Like the Alt-9, like that's kind of what I was kind of involved with and, and kind okay, of learning cool. about. And yeah. just, yeah, just kind of a, a neat, um, a needed 
and, and neat program kind of situation. Exactly. Sure. Because regular school just is not suitable for everybody. I mean, I, I grew up in a suburb of the city. Uh, to my knowledge, there were no alternatives to the high school that I went to, right? Luckily for me, that that was a suitable place for me to go, but it would. It's I now know through meeting so many different kids along the way um, that yeah, like it's. I just I feel lucky that we have all these different options because there's not a one size fits all approach to you know to people who are in those you know oftentimes tumultuous years like those teen years. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, rewarding aspects of being a dad. What are, what are some of them come to mind? Uh, well, you mean like today? Well, you, you can answer like what, what, you, yeah, like what are, what are the rewarding aspects of being a dad throughout that process? Oh, the rewarding or, aspects. Yeah. Um, okay, sorry. I thought you just, we, we were just talking about sort of like the minutia of day to day. Uh, well, the rewarding aspects, um, uh, like honestly, just to see, like, because I really, it truly like, you know, as a family, like my daughter and I, have been through a lot, right? Like, I mean, in her short 20 years, she's had, she's had to go through a whole lot of different, you know, things and different stages in her life. And now, um, you know, it's, so the, the most rewarding thing to me is when we get together and I get to spend time with her and just chat, like, you know what I mean? Just talk to this person who, in my opinion, is a very kind, very um, generous, uh, very sensitive, uh, an empathetic person, right? On top of a whole bunch of other things. She's like, you know, very sharp and funny, et cetera, et cetera. So I just love, I mean, it's just rewarding for me that, you know, I, again, I'll, I'll never not be her father, but the, the reward of just that there's some, I don't know, I guess there's a little bit of that fruits of the labor aspect, which mm -hmm. is, you know, now there's, a, you know, again, like in a way, like a friend as well, right? So this person, um, you know, who I just, yeah, who I just admire so greatly. So, I mean, that's the, that's the most rewarding thing uh, for me is just to see what, you know, what a really nice person this person has turned out to be. Nice. Um, did, how has fatherhood changed you? Did it? It did. Um, it did. Like, I mean, I can, well, pr just prior to um, having Cheetah, um, you know, in the late nineties, I, I, I can relate this to music directly. I was the vocalist in a, in a Toronto punk rock band. And I was, uh, it was like a very, like just speaking of tumultuous, it was a very aggressive, sometimes, um, like we would bait the audience or I would bait the audience. I was, uh, really belligerent and, you know, like my drinking was pretty up there. You know, I was doing a lot of drinking and just really um, taking a lot of chances with my own well-being, you know, while trying, you know, like in the context of like this kind of punk rock scene and stuff like that. Um, so once we had Tita, uh, it didn't make you know, I, I actually did have to think about that, right? Like that was if I never thought about that kind of stuff before. I'd always think, well, if I got hurt or, I, you know, I guess, you know, luckily I didn't hurt somebody else too badly, you know, or, you know, whatever it was, I, I you know, I did have to, I did have to stop and, and think about that and just think like maybe, yeah, like I want to be, I want to be as present as possible and I don't want something 
from my own stupidity to potentially have, be a roadblock for that. So yeah, like I, I did, I did change some behaviors. Like, you know, for instance, I just, you know, stop trying to pretend, like act like I was the toughest guy in the world. And then I was going <laughs> to fight anybody who like, you know, uh, dared to challenge me when I was being a dick to them. Like, do you know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. Like, so, and, you know, because again, you know, I, 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 my, you know, my wife had just had a baby. My wife, when she, you know, when we had the baby, my wife was also suffering badly from postpartum depression. So, you know, I was home a lot for the first few months of, for the first few months of, you know, when we had, when we had CETA and that was, uh, yeah, like it was just literally, it was a, it was an in quote sobering experience, right? I couldn't do, I couldn't do two things. I couldn't do the two things at like at once. I couldn't be this like whatever I was fantasizing that I was like this wild, you know, you know, Iggy Pop influenced singer and also be a good, you know, be there for not only my daughter, but for my wife. Like she really needed help at that time. She was really suffering. So, and struggling. So yes, like it, it, like it in a very real way, like changed. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I suddenly, you know, started playing golf every Sunday or, you know, whatever, <laughs> nothing wrong with golf, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I didn't, I don't think it funded, fundamentally changed to uh, maybe I, I am, you know, um, in certain ways, but like just behaviorally, like, yeah, I had to, I couldn't, yeah, I just couldn't risk. There were certain things I wasn't really willing to risk anymore that I just had never thought about before. Right. Did you have any fears about being a dad? No. Um, and I know that just it's easy to go like, no, I didn't because I was <laughs> so excited. I just really, and like, in all honesty, I was really, really hoping that we'd have a daughter. Like I just, you know, I just have always found it in my personal life easier to relate to the women in my life, like my sisters, my wife, like, you know, my mom, et cetera. It's just, that's, you know, and now I've got lots and lots of friends or bandmates, et cetera. Um, and for me, that's just a, it's just always been an easier dynamic. And so I was just, I was really excited. And it was something I, I hoped that I would be good at, if that makes sense. I hoped that, you know, I just really wanted to, I don't know, like I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I already, you know, my sister had had a baby, you know, I, you know, about a year and a half before that, uh, you know, my first nephew and stuff like that. And I don't know. I just, I don't know. I love, I love kids. Like I'm, I am also a trained teacher. Like I'm a trained okay, um, right Montessori teacher. Um, and, you know, I've done lots of volunteering, like with drop-in centers and stuff. I just, I enjoy the company of kids. I think they're funny. I think they're cool. I think they say what, you know, what is actually on their mind, you know? <laughs> so I, I, again, like I enjoy their, I enjoy the company of, of kids, you know? So I was really excited about it. Yeah. Nice. Um, what was the, can you describe the relationship with your dad? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, my dad left us when I turned seven. You know, well, not the day I turned seven, but my dad left right around my seventh birthday. And um, he basically, he um, had an affair with his secretary at work, which is, you know, sounds like a complete cliche, but it was. And yeah, so he left. And then shortly after he left, he moved to Saskatchewan. So we were in, you know, we were in Pickering at the time, or Scarborough Pickering. And uh, yeah, so he moved. And so for the first seven years, um, 
I think uh, from what I can remember, which is not a lot, but I think it was really <laughs> nice. Like I think he, you know, from what I can remember, he was a, you know, he was an affable person. He was, he had a huge personality. Um, you know, he was charming, et cetera. And so he went on to, you know, get married four more times after, you know, he'd been married before my mom, he married my mom, then four more times after that. So, you know, he, um, once he was gone, there was, there was not a lot of contact. I would see him once a year, usually like in the summers, um, you know, he'd come to Ontario and we'd go to a, we would go to a uh, cottage for, you know, a week or so. So there wasn't a lot of contact, you know, and in a way, I think about that now. So I was raised in the household I was raised with my mom, my grandmother, my two sisters. Right. And um, I never had this person because once you're set, like when you're at seven, you know, I hadn't had this real heavy duty, like male or like macho influence in my life who was saying, you know, as I got older, who was saying like, you know, let me show you how to quote unquote, like get girls or, you know, Mm -hmm. give me all this, this goddamn like advice about being a man. I never got any of that. You know, uh, so again, I, you know, I, I think I got a bit of a different perspective and I'm actually in a lot of ways uh, thankful for that. You know, I mean, it made it difficult for our family not having, you know, because my, my mom had to kind of go back to school and learn something like learn a skill, you know, to be able to make a living for so that we could then continue as, you know, living. But, you know, just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what it would be like, you know, ha- having some kind of you know, hyper male influence in my life. Um, so again, I, I, you know, he died a few years ago, but I, I, I liked him, but I never, I was glad that I didn't, he wasn't around enough that I ever ended up being like him. And I hope, you know, if that makes sense. No, that yeah, totally makes sense. It kind of describes a little bit, you know, the relationship with my dad too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah I think that's really around and, and okay. um, yeah, just uh, didn't have that influence, and you know, it is what it is. And um, it is what it is, exactly. Like I mean, I have no idea what it would have been like otherwise, you know. And also, in our case, like you know, by the time my mom had a relationship with somebody who lived at the family home, which was a few years later, I was gone, right? Like I left at seventeen, and I moved downtown, and I you know started to go to school downtown after high school, and uh, again just for context, I lived in the suburb, right? So mm-hmm. um, I just I just never had this whole like man of the house, king of the castle, what, no, and I, and hopefully it's different nowadays, you know, but, um, you know, being born in the 70s, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think there was definitely the, the kind of like roles, like the roles of the husband or the roles of the head of the household or how, you know, all that stuff were, were pretty strong. You know, I think they reverberated a lot for a lot of my peers and stuff like that, um, that I, you know, that my friends just growing up, but it wasn't that way. It was not that way for me. Right. Right. Okay. Let's, let's shift a little bit. Let's talk about Bad Read, uh, new album, release, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, dropped what, beginning of the month. Yeah. It came out on July the 13th. Okay. Do you want to, want to explain, talk about it a little bit? Yeah, here. for sure. Um, so the album is called Bad Breed and Ferocious Love. Um, yeah, I like. Yeah, I can actually explain to you the the genesis of it. As I mentioned before, I kind of alluded to before. We had a few tumultuous years uh, as a family, right? So Bad Breed was something that started 
for me in 2014 and kind of fizzled out in 2015, the first incarnation. And that was like four guys. We were doing kind of aggressive rock in the vein of the Stooges and stuff like that. Um, and we put an album out. But then, uh, yeah, so as I mentioned before, my, my, I was living at that time with my wife, my daughter, and then any number of other people at that time. My, my, my wife, uh, whose name was Deb, uh, she suffered greatly from, um, I mentioned postpartum depression, that kind of ended up morphing into uh, bipolar disorder. So she battled that for many years. So there was a few year period where between say 20, well, really 2015 and 2017, where things were not good, right? Like just at, in life, you know, I had decided that, okay, I'm quitting music. I'm not good at this. I'll never be any good at it. You know, what any, you know, whatever. I was battling a lot of depression and uh, anxiety. So I just thought, okay, I give, I give up. I'm not doing this. I'm, this is not for me. I'm, I'm awful at it. Uh, and meanwhile, you know, my wife had, you know, she'd stopped working. Like her, her, her battles with her own mental health problems were so severe that she just was no longer able to work. This, you know, to this culminated in 2017 with her taking her own life. So she suddenly you know one day we were together we were both you know having a lot of trouble together i mean we were trying our best to support each other but it was hard two struggling people supporting each other it's you know there, there's not a lot of solid foundation there mm-hmm. so one day i went from having a lot of like what i thought was a lot of trouble like you know a house full of kids which was cool but also stressful my daughter was moving from school to school. My wife was struggling. I was struggling. And one day, one morning, I woke up, literally, and that had all changed. I was no longer uh, part of a struggling family. I'm a single dad faced mm. with, oh, this is it. Like, I, you know. And so, that, and again, I, I, I have said, I've done a few interviews. And I'm going to say this word because it's the only appropriate word. It was an incredibly sobering experience. Like, literally, I just, it's almost like, getting slapped, you know, I mean, I can't, there's no way to describe this properly, right? But whatever the hardest blow you can imagine taking, the coldest bucket of water, getting hit by a bolt of lightning, whatever it was, it happened. And so I immediately, like within, in one day, I suddenly, my life changed and dramatically. So that doesn't mean that everything, you know, what, <laughs> It, it was, yeah, like I said, I thought I knew what hard times were or what trouble was like. And then I found out what, for me personally, what it was, you know, what, how, how low things could really go. And that, um, so then life looked very diff- different after that, you know. And I, um, after a few months, I realized, you know, I, I had spent years just almost like a hermit, right? Like living just with the, the, the family in the house I was not doing music I did not reach I didn't I had like kind of abandoned relationships and friendships etc and as part of me starting to just deal with this like deal with this is now my reality like everything is not what I thought it was you know etc I within you know within months I started reaching out just gingerly the people that I had worked with in some capacity in music before and said, Hey, um, if you're okay with it, I've got a couple of ideas for songs. Would you be interested in maybe working with me? And luckily um, all these 
amazing people who are now like who are featured on that record said yes and i you know i certainly didn't think well like now this huge thing has happened in my life i should make an album like that's i mean that would be a ridiculous thing but that is what happened right mm-hmm. so um that was the genesis of 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 me just even just whatever i'm i'm pretend think imagine picking up a phone really texting people and saying hi i know we haven't been in each other's lives for a long time but i need help you know and it was that that started this process and then later on in you know as part of this as well i i met somebody um who i'd known many years before i am going to explain this just because it's i think it's key to the to the whole story I had remembered, I'd never known anybody who had had dealt with somebody committing suicide, not in their family. But I had worked with somebody many, many years ago. um, And I remember her talking to me, like being very open and candid about the fact that, you know, uh, one of her family family members had killed themselves. And it just came to me one day and I I thought, wow, I need to talk to somebody who's been, who has any idea what this is like, because nobody I talk to. You know, I mean, everybody was trying to be sympathetic and empathetic, et cetera. But I reached out to this friend um, and, you know, she got back to me and she was now and is now living in New Zealand. So she this person ended up becoming this huge. This, this is the one person that I could I felt like I could talk to about this one specific thing, because unless you've been through it, you know, I, again, you can imagine what it's like or et cetera. But you know i just found it so helpful to have somebody to talk to and because our time you know the time difference is so strange you know it's like we're backwards right new zealand's the other side of the world so when i was spending all this time where i couldn't sleep right i was up until four or five in the morning it was you know daytime for for this person and so again i had this amazing person that i reached out to and who was kind enough to be you know supportive and eventually I fell in love with that person and that person like I'm lucky for me felt the same way. So, you know, fast forward, we're, we are now, we're now married, right? I've been yeah. married almost a year. And, um, you know, unfortunately she's in New Zealand right now during COVID and I'm here. So that's, you know, that is what it is. But anyways, so this album is the, is begins where I started, you know, which was here, here I am like in this world and this this for me the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to me has happened but then it also walks i don't know it helped me put into context you know coming out like you know just reaching Mm -hmm. out to people talking to people and then eventually falling in love so it's this it's in a way it's the story of that of a couple of years of my life wow i like that it's it's heavy i uh yeah I, my dad committed suicide actually 20 years ago. Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that. (laughs) And I'm sorry uh, about your loss as well. And so I I know exactly kind of what, yeah, I know what you've gone through in a sense. (laughs) No, uh, well, but I mean, I'm sure you do then because, I mean, like 20 years ago, I I mean, I'm sure, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's still, I, I don't know about you, right? Like I'm, I'm only like three years removed, but mm-hmm. I think about it every day, you know, and yeah, I, yeah. you know, even just flashes of it or, you know, so much, there's so much that, you know, just, you know, is it's almost, you know, it's, a, it's, it's like a um, reflex, 
you know, these thoughts that come back of that person and, and they, uh, for me, it's like, what, what maybe could I have done differently or, you know, and again, that's different, right? Because a parent is, is different than a, a partner, right? So, you know, and I, I don't know, but yeah, uh, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, all I can say is, I'm sorry, you had to go through that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, I, I, I think about it every day. I think you probably even more now that since I've become a father and like right. just wondering. The, the big question that I have is just wondering what was going through his mind at that, that point. Um, yeah. And, yeah, just the pain that he was going through. Um, do, you, were sure. you, do you mind if I ask, like, were you aware? Like, was it, did the family know? Like, did you know that he was suffering, like, leading up to this? No, so you know there wasn't oh, uh, wow. wasn't okay. a, a ton of um, like there was stuff. So like I kind of mentioned, like, I didn't have like a super close relationship with my dad because okay. um, he kind of left around. Like my parents split when I was about ten, um, okay. so he was kind of in and out uh, a little right. bit. And then it was it was more kind of as I was going to university that I kind of kind of came back into my life. And we you know I have a brother and a sister as well, and we kind of you know, fostered a, a bit of a relationship, more of a relationship for sure. And okay. um, yeah, it was just, it was literally like the, I just finished the semester for university for for summer and right. uh, I was working my summer job it was my first day. I came home and kind of found out and yeah, up wow. to that point, it was, um, yeah, it was a bit, a bit surprising. Yeah. Um, but oh, how could it not be? Right. Yeah. Like but, particularly, but it, well, particularly yeah. if you weren't living with that person and you didn't have, you know, it wasn't this, it wasn't discussed or it wasn't sort of just like, I wonder how, you know, that, that, that's that gotta be like the shock of that must have been unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, he, I, I had the letter that he wrote and I was like, <laughs> there wow. wasn't that much there, but you know, it was just, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, it's sad and tragic and, it is. um, you know, I I miss him in that sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wish yeah. he was was there. I wish he would have saw me become a teacher, and I wish he would have met my yeah. my son. So. Yeah. I that. I wish that my wife, my first wife, sorry, Deb, uh, could see our daughter now. Yeah. Right. You know, because the last time they were they knew each other, things were so tumultuous. Right. I wish she could see because now you know my daughter. Again, like, I mean, you know, the whole reason she bought a house is because I sold our family home, right? We didn't, we weren't comfortable being in this home where this tragic thing had happened, right? Mm-hmm. So I sold the home. I split it with my daughter. She was able to turn that around and, and you know, get a home. And she was, she did finish high school, right? Because she, once her mom died, she dropped out of high school. Like, that was the end of that for her. Um, but she went back and she got into a co-op program where she um, was able to get into a veterinary clinic where she now works, right? They, she graduated and they hired her on afterwards. And, you know, and that doesn't mean everything's perfect, right? But I just, just that's, I hear what you're saying. Like, I mean, I'm sure you wish your dad could meet your son. I wish my wife could see our daughter, like, laugh and be happy and talk about her job and talk about her life, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So would you say the record's a little bit of a therapy for you? Yeah, well, it, it absolutely was. Again, not planned, but particularly reaching out to, so I'm just like a, a couple of people in particular, Catherine, who is the other kind of, she carries a lot of like the, the big things. She's like a really great um, 
got a huge voice. She loves Etta James. You know, she's she's the big belter on the album. So mm-hmm. reaching out to her was the first thing that I did. I had an idea for a song called As Promised. And, I, you know, so even just, the, the, it was therapeutic in the sense that I had not ta- been talking to people or I had not left, you know, I was working and stuff, but I had not left the kind of, of this this kind of sad world that was my house for a couple of years, right? So just even getting out, like going to somebody else's home, like sitting with them and talking to them. And, you know, and for me, collaboration is, you know, is one of the big joys in life, right? Like is having a germ of an idea and then bringing it to somebody else who is always far more talented than I am, right? <laughs> and, you know, being able to see, wow, I thought it was going to be like this in my brain, but the reality is, wow, look what it turns into. And it just really, the process of it, it was therapeutic in, in that, yes, like I started to connect to people. And I just, that's something I, you know, I, I can remember sitting like at my saddest moment saying to, to my wife, Deb, at the time saying like, well, you know, I'm never going to do music again. I've, you know, I don't have any friends. Like, you know, I just, you know, you know, any version of, you know, those negative thoughts. So to see that that wasn't true, like to see, like to actually get up, get out, get in the car, go to somebody's home and go like, wow, like, I guess things can, I know things can change. And you don't think that immediately, but in retrospect, you're like, oh, okay, well, things didn't, I mean, you know, your worst case scenario is not, is not set in stone. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So uh, I hope people then take a take a listen to this record um, after yeah. listening to this interview. Last I question here, do. Mike. Any fatherly words of wisdom to any of the rad dads or any new dads out there listening? Um, yeah. Um, gosh, what's the best thing that I can say? I don't know. Try to be a good listener and, you know, that and it's hard right because it's we always want to we want to be the ones to we as parents want to be the ones to kind of you know um hand out life lessons all the time to our kids but there's a lot that we can learn from them even like you know even at a very young age that's what i found right and so if you're willing to listen and to allow your um you know your worldview to be challenged by, you know, by this amazing person that you're getting to spend your time with, then only it can only be a benefit for both of you. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Mike. I really appreciate Thank you very uh, much. You the story. All right, that was Mike Gribben on the Rad Dads Show. Thank you so much to Mike for joining us. If you're looking for more Rad Dads content, find us on Apple Podcasts or on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at rad underscore dads underscore show, and on Facebook at at Rad Dads Show. And now, you can also look us up on YouTube for some video interviews as well. Lastly, Rad Dads started as a community organization, and you can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad.